So we're just honing in on the Halloween season, and uh, I'm pretty certain Harley Quinn is going to be a, a real popular outfit, uh, you know, this year. Uh, mainly because, you know, not just Suicide Squad, although that kind of tanked, but just in general. I mean, she's really popular now. Um, but, you know, I, I, for those people who, who aren't too familiar with the, the character, you know, uh, Harley Quinn doesn't have to be sexy. I mean, she's based on the Batman animated series. And Harley Quinn, obviously, if you say it fast enough, it's derived from Harlequin. The character is a therapist who kind of loses her mind and puts on this mask. So when you get rid of the mask and she's just like this, you know, sexy tramp, kind of defeats the whole purpose. And she's not really happy-go-lucky either. She's pretty damaged. She does a lot of crazy shit, but then she always goes back to the Joker and the Joker beats the fuck out of her. Um, obviously, I'm not really sure people will even make that connection. I guess I'm getting a little bored of, well, number one, I'm not bored of Halloween in the city in general because everything has to be, everything has to be so slutty. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a sexy barista. I'm a sexy ham sandwich. I'm a sexy Batman. Harley Quinn, I, I guess I'm sick of giving horny fanboys what they really, you know, just sex on a plate. And that's not this character. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of... So recently, they made a uh, Killing Joke animated uh, movie that's R-rated. And it's supposed to be really, you know, violent. And I just don't get it. Because, well, I, I'm not really interested in seeing... I mean, the the graphic novel is great. I wouldn't say it's the best Batman story. I mean, Alan Moore even says that it's not his best work. It's good. I mean, I def it's definitely a landmark story. And I think um, Brian Boland, the artist, is really that. If you don't have that, then, then why even bother with the story? But the, my problem with the R rating is it's not really necessary. I mean, the whole point. See, if you start dark, you really don't have anywhere to go. I mean, you flatline pretty quickly. I mean, where's the fun in that? I mean, the Joker's supposed to be fun. He's he's violent, and he's but he's also mischievous. I, you know, I kind of miss the days where he he was a little wacky. You know, um, if he's so dark and he's ripping skin off people and shooting paralyzed people, then he can't go back to robbing banks. You know, it, you just kind of paint yourself in a corner. Uh, anyway, anybody who knows me knows I care way too much about this shit. Um, but actually, it's a good segue because. My guest today is Devin Peacock. Uh, Devin is an actor, he's a writer, he's a filmmaker, and he's got a new uh, project called Unsung Heroes, which we get into. We get into that, we get into comic books, we get into uh, living in New York, uh, and, you know, just how we change and evolve and grow. And it's a great conversation, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, Devin's Twitter is at Devin Peacock, just like the bird. Uh, also at D Peacock Films. Um, you can go on YouTube and you can watch the trailer for Unsung Heroes. You can also uh, search on Twitter with the hashtag 
superheroes with swag. Um, and that's it. I don't want to waste any more time with this uh, intro, and let's just get right into the conversation. Oh, uh, comedy uh, date for me, uh, Thursday, October 13th. I'll be at the Creek in the Cave. It's a late show. We uh, start at midnight. It's a nerd roast battle. Uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek. I'll be with Pete, Peter Minio. He'll, he'll uh, take on the role of Star Wars, and I'll be defending Star Trek. So I know it's a school night, but come on out. If you're, uh, if you're into nerd shit, if not, that's okay. Uh, I'll do other shows where it's, it's completely nerd-free. Um, anyway, I'll shut up without further delay. Podcast episode number 89 with Devin Peacock. You're listening to Vandal Tron's Curious World Podcast. Just sit back and relax So changing my focus, you know, like when I just like with like a lot of performers who like hit New York City, they're like, I can do everything, right. and then and little then, by little, you're like, wait a second, it. wait a second. <laughs> so what started it for you? I mean, was it a was it a play that you saw, or was it a TV show? Um, I in high school I did like things here and there. As a, you know, to perform, but we didn't have like a a theater group or anything like that. Or just theater. in the parking lot. We had we had nothing. We had none of those things. So we just had like choir. We had um, you know dance troops. So I did like dance troupe, you know, stuff like that. Um, Where did you go to high school? I went to University High School in Newark. Oh. So. Um, so I've always been in this area, you know, um, but I didn't really make the decision to really pursue being a performer until like a year after I was out of college because I was a publicist before that. So um, that's a huge shift. exactly. Well, the reason I um, stopped doing PR was because like some bad stuff happened in my personal life, and you know how it is. Like you feel like damn, I literally have nothing else to lose. So since I'm at what I consider to be my rock bottom, I might as well just, you know, live my life and do whatever I want now. Like, I have nothing else to lose, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's when I kind of made the decision to, like, I guess be a performer, you know? Because um, PR is cool, and I learned some great things from the profession in general, but I... Felt myself getting like a little jealous, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, um, because you know I worked so hard at getting an article. I'm like, yes, yes, my client is in this magazine or in on this in this newspaper or something like that, and you know, I'd add it to my little clipbook because you know uh, publicists they have like uh, like books basically that they put together to show like okay. I've gotten these clients into these publications, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, 
So, as I was, like, doing that, you know, I was still doing, like, community theater. So, I would lend my PR skills into, like, saying, you know, hitting up some publications sometimes, sometimes, and being like, hey, you know, this theater show is happening, you know, um, you know, two weeks from now, can we get, like, a little calendar, calendar blast or whatever, or, you know, why don't you come and check it out and, you know, write about it if you feel like it, you know, we'll talk to the publications and, you know, that would work. Um, so, you know, those publications would, you know, print, you know, the write-up of the article or whatever. Um, so after I got like maybe, let's say, two of those or three of those in my little clipbook, I was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I am, you know, busting my ass to get these other clients publicity and this is energy I should be putting into myself, you know what I mean? Into, you know, getting publicity for whatever I want to do, not because of, you know, another client, like, um, and obviously I understand that's what I was paid to do, but like little by little, like, I just realized it just wasn't the career for me because, you know, um, I'm a big geek. I'm really into, you know, comics and, uh, you know, custom action figures. I read, you know what I mean? I watch all the, you know, comic books, superhero cartoons and, you know, TV shows and stuff like that. And... Back then too? Yeah. I've, I've always been like that. Um, so, it just made no sense to me to, let's say, because I was like looking for another PR job somewhere else because I couldn't stand where I worked and because this was all around the same time like I said like a bunch of personal stuff happened a bunch of stuff happened in my personal life so you know um I was like looking for another job because I was just my life was just awful you know and as I was like interviewing at other places I just realized that none of these PR agencies thankfully I realized that none of these PR agencies had anything to do with like you know gadgets or or toys or you know anything that I was interested in so um, was it more like TMZ kind of stuff well it was more so um, it was more so um, like food um, like events like like location events so meaning like um, the clients we had were like places that were like you know had the like agency yeah okay. Had the agency on like a retainer to publicize the fact that they were, you know, doing things and, you know, reaching out to publications for that. Um, so, like I said, I did like gadgets and tech, um, some toys, because we had like one or two like toy clients. Um, and I was, I was all about the toy clients, all about them. They had my undivided attention, you know what I mean? Because that was, that's my, you know, that's what I'm into. Um, so the gadgets, same thing, all about it, you know, um, the other clients, food clients, beauty clients, <laughs> I mean, those weren't, those weren't my primary, uh, accounts, so I would just jump in here and there to help out, but trying to go to another company that has nothing to do with what I am interested in, is a tough sell, and I think, you know, I think people kind of caught on to that. They were like, as I was interviewing, 
Maybe I think they could just smell it. Like you don't want to be here. <laughs> so while, while you were interviewing, were you still? Um, I mean, what was, how how did you feel about performing at that time? At the time, I was just doing like like community theater. I think um, I was just doing community theater. So, and I would do that every now and then while I was like. I mean, this was, like I said, this was only like a year, so it wasn't like it was like a long time. A lot of stuff happened in that one year. Like, um, I started grad school for PR, and then I realized I didn't need it. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing. Well, it was grad school. It was a master's in communication with a concentration in public relations. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Which is... You know what I always found kind of odd? What What is the deal with a... a and I'm not knocking this for anybody who out there who, who studied this, but a degree, even a master's degree in hotel management? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I thought that was, isn't that more like on-the-job training? Like, I, every time, I mean, I'm not going to lie, a lot of master's programs, I'm like, what's this for? You know what I mean? But, you know, I'm assuming that maybe some of them are more of like a stepping stone, you know what I mean? Meaning, like, you get this, you start this uh, program, and this will make you, you're already working in the field, and this master's program will make you more viable for the, as a candidate to go Well, yeah, it's just that. to give you a higher pay grade. I, yeah. I get that, but, but like, I don't know, like, a lot it, of that stuff just seems like, just, I don't know, it just seems like a lot of money, and it's like, really, can't you just wing it? Yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of... I mean, I could be 100% wrong. Like I said, I didn't finish my master's program, so, you know, who am I to say anything? Um, it's a competitive world. I feel like a lot of these programs are geared towards making you more competitive in that field for whatever reason. Like, you know, maybe it's just that deterrent for, like, someone who maybe, like, uh, uh, what do you call it, um... Not bag boy. Uh, you know, like the guy who uh, takes your bags to your room for you. Oh, whatever. bellhop. Bellhop. Maybe this is a deterrent for that bellhop. He's like, well, I want to be, you know, the manager of, the general manager of this place. Right. But, you know? I mean, hotels, they all kind of uh, hire from within. And, you know, I feel like if you have, if you have a college degree... You can kind of go there and kind of learn the ropes within well, like maybe, maybe a month. Well, tell that to, to the bellhop. Who's <laughs> still a bellhop, you know? Try to cover up his neck tattoos. I mean, with that being said, I feel like, um, I mean, a lot of these companies, even you can work your way up, but as much as people say that they, they prefer that and all that, the wah, 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 like, I feel like a lot of places, I mean, not a lot, but some places don't really adhere to that. They're like, oh, well, you have these, you know, you have these qualifications, so come on, come on board. I mean, it's a lot, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not in, you know. Have you ever done temp work? Yeah. So, yeah, so I've done, I think any any actor or singer has done temp work, yeah. right? Awful. I've done temp work, but <laughs> they assume you don't know shit. Yep, they, they assume you're stupid. <laughs> yeah. But but some of them, are, like even the nice ones who are cool with you, they think you you don't know shit, mm. and they're so impressed if you could like compose an email. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. I think um, I mean my own. I've had some horror stories with temp agencies. Like I remember around the time when I first like said to myself, "Oh, I want to be a performer. I want to be an actor." 
you know, I was like signing up with temp agencies and this one agency I was getting a lot of work from, but then they sent me to this one place. It was like, it was like a call center, you know what I mean? With people's like stocks. It was, it was like downtown Jersey City. It's awful. Like Goldman is in Jersey City. Goldman Sachs? Yeah. Oh, well, this this wasn't that. <laughs> this was, I, it felt like the call center. Like Boiler Room? That movie, Boiler Room? Yeah, well, no, no, yes, but no. This was a little bit more like, um, how can I put it? The, the call center was set up to where, I mean, I don't know if this is how all call centers are set up, but the information sometimes wouldn't pop up on the screen until like a couple seconds after the person picked up the phone, like the client picked up the phone. Right. So can you imagine the sheer terror of sitting there and they're like, hello, and you're like, one, two, three. You're literally counting so this information it's will pop up. Information about the product or the person? No, the person. Oh. Because we're, we're contacting them and they were, we were contacting them in, in regards to, you know, their stock and their stock in like whatever company because now the company wants to, you know, fold into another company or you know it, it was it was it was it was horrific it was horrific in a sense like it felt like it was so little structure to it and then you know we had like the one guy who was like slave driver who's like literally like pacing back and forth like gawking at you and you're like one He's of like, like the warden yeah <laughs> one of dozens of people on the phone and you could tell he was miserable too like absolutely miserable but we all we're all stuck here together. Like, what are you gonna do? But I only lasted in that one job for like two, three weeks or whatever. But everybody's just like miserable. The people that were there like permanently, they they were I guess the favorites, if you could say. But they just looked they were miserable. Everybody was miserable. And that's just one of my... Uh, yeah, and that, I think that's the through line that I've picked up, too, in, like, all the different kind of jobs that I've had. And, and you know, I've worked a lot of service jobs, and mm -hmm. I've, worked, I've worked office jobs, and, you know, I've, um, you know, been a bartender and a waiter. And it's just, you just meet people who are stuck. Yeah. And they're just, they're just miserable. Yeah. And, like, whereas you may be in transient, where, like... You know, in any minute, I could flip the switch and just say, well, fuck this. Mm -hmm. Even though this sucks and I need money. Like, and we were all both in the same boat. Why are you, why are you here for like 10 years? Yeah. And you still think it sucks. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. And regardless of what you want to do for the rest of your life or whatever, why, I mean, I guess that self-loathing is kind of part of like some people's mm -hmm. perspective. Like without that complaining, they, yeah. they don't know what to do. I feel like a lot of people just in general just stuck in life like we both know plenty of like performers who are like you know why isn't Broadway like knocking down my door to put me on stage yep. it's like it, don't, it doesn't work like that you know what I mean um, a lot of people just entitled like I've seen people on like actors on set like granted you know I was uh, helping out a friend this was like super low budget indie project you know we all do it, you know, we've all, if we don't do it currently, we've done it before. So, you know, everyone should relax. But this one guy... What, do, when you say done it, what you're about to say? Or work on any no, 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 projects? No, 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 done it meaning like worked on these kinds of projects, oh, okay. you know what okay. I mean? 
Um, this guy comes on set and, like I said, this was a friend of mine's project. So, you know, I was sitting there because me and another friend who was playing one of the actors were going to go somewhere else after the fact. So, um, the lead guy comes on, comes into, you know, the waiting area, i.e. <laughs> the, the, the lobby of this floor that, you know... My friend got the permission to film in one of the rooms or whatever. So, since I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, you know, this is my friend's project. Why don't I just, you know, just, I'm here anyway. I'll just help out a little bit, you know. So, as I'm like, I take, you know, charge and I'm like, grab every, I grab the uh, stack of, um, what do you call it? Some, you know, uh, waivers, basically. Um... And I start getting the actors to sign them, and they're, like, asking me questions. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of helping out, but, you know, can you just do me a favor? Um, you know, it's a standard waiver. You know, can you just sign this, give it back to me, and here's the, you know, Exhibit G, which, for those who don't know, is basically, like, you know, like, the, the, the list that says you're here. You just, you know, put your initials down um, and what time you showed up, you know, stuff like that. So this guy... The lead actor, you can't see me, but I'm doing finger quotes, but <laughs> he comes in and you can just tell that he was green. You know, he's like strutting around like, like a peacock, pun intended, you know, and he's like, so if I sign this, you're trying to tell me I'm not going to make any money from this. And I'm, <laughs> I laughed a little bit like, what was it a short or it was just a short film. Like, you know, dude, you're filming this one day. Calm down, you know what I mean? And his his resume like had like four things on it. You know what I mean? Like no one knows you. <laughs> no one Hollywood is now beating down. You know what I door, find hilarious you know? is like every actor, like in any acting class or anything like that, mm -hmm. any improv class, every actor if you tell them to do like um do their impression of of pompous actor mm -hmm. they're they're gonna go they're going full Daniel Day Lewis mm -hmm. because we all have that in our head mm -hmm. but come on now yeah some of you are that guy you don't even know it yeah I, I will admit like a lot of us we probably have spurts of being kind of like that you know what I mean I mean we, we probably won't say it to like you know the crew you know what I mean but Let's keep it real. We've all, like, probably gone home and, you know, talked to our friends or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. I'm like, do you? Can you believe that this happened? And you... That's I've seen people do that on set. <laughs> but that's the thing. You shouldn't do it on set. If anything, like, granted, we're all going to have bad days on set, you know. There's so many things that just go wrong from, like, from the very beginning. The day can start late for something that has nothing to to do like we're all gonna you know complain about things like just that's just how life is it's just about picking who you complain to and when you do it you know what i mean if it's like okay you did the project projects now okay so speaking of projects mm -hmm. uh, i think that's a good segue to um do you want to talk a little bit about your project your unsung heroes of course not <laughs> <laughs> Sure, what do you want to know? Um, so yeah, so for, for people listening, why don't you briefly describe what it's about, and and yeah, then we can get into it. Well, Unsung Heroes is a project, um, 
I'm the reason the reason I'm saying project versus like any other word is because I want this to be an ongoing thing. Like right now we're uploading like short uh episodes onto uh YouTube. Excuse me, we're uploading like short episodes onto YouTube um to kind of promote like the project in general, but ultimately I want this to be made into a pilot. So that's why we're like putting it out there to kind of get the buzz going and you know get people interested in it so that when we do start putting the effort towards making it into a pilot, people can, you know, watch what we have and feel like they know these characters and understand where this is going, you know. But um, long story short, I'll say this. Like, you've seen me like the Avengers movie, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Well, this isn't it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of D-listers, right? Is that what you call them? Well, I would like to say that they're trying, but they're just not quite there yet. They're, um, how can I put it? They, they're the type of superheroes that tried out for the Avengers, but they got turned away at the door. <laughs> they got you turned away even by Stan Lee. <laughs> like, they got turned away at the door. They didn't even get to the audition table or anything like that. They didn't even get a chance to read. <laughs> they got typed out, you know what I mean? Um, these are superheroes that mean well and try hard, but they're even like the second stringers in their own universe. Um, so, they kind of band together in real they, in the in the project they will band together to fight the forces of evil you know finger quotes um but they all have their own like kind of affliction with them as far as like the type of superhero that they are they're very none of them are polished they all have like their own kind of issues and hurdles that they're trying to like overcome as far as you know what their own individual story arcs are um, but the thing I personally kind of love about the idea of Unsung Heroes is just, is just the fact that I, I feel like you can look at Unsung Heroes and feel like you can identify with them. Because we, we all try really hard in our own personal lives. We all fall short sometimes, you know, like, um, it's just going to happen. Like for, you know. For that basketball player who's trying to, you know, do that layup and then, it, you know, it doesn't go through and now, you know, you lost the game. It's like, fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> so a bunch of, a bunch of, basically a bunch of guys who are missing layups. That's, yeah, that's what, it's, that's it's like, it, it, exactly. It's like if, if you were to, like, put it in, I guess, in that kind of regard, like if this was a basketball team, it would be a whole bunch of bench warmers. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now you're like, crap, I have to use all five of these bench warmers to now be the team. Now, in terms of the episodes, are you are you kind of like the architect, or is it a collaboration? How's that working? Well, um, oh, you mean as far as like the, the writing is concerned? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wrote um, everything with uh, Unsung Heroes. Um, fun fact is that before I before I graduated from college, I told myself I was going to write comic books. That's just what I was going to do. And then I realized into college that I was turning into a different kind of person. And in the sense of like... Like least, the Beast? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Call me Henry McCoy. But um, 
more so in the sense like uh, in high school I was like really shy. I, I would say shy. Uh, I guess I would say shy, but what kind of comics reserved. were you? Were you? What kind of comics were like? Was your target of like? Okay, I want to write like this. I would say X Men. You know, um, I mean, I read X Men like. X Men was like insane to me. I mean, I'm till this day I'm still like obsessed with the X Men. Um, for anyone who may look at my Instagram, I've been posting nothing but X-Men custom figures for the past couple months because I just have dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of them, you know? So I've been, like, putting them into, like, little teams. Like, if, if you're someone who's, like, read the comic books, you know that, you know, the X-Men over the years have had numerous, numerous teams. X-Factor, X-Force, um... 18 million different variations of the actual X-Men team itself. Excalibur, if you want to Excalibur, Brotherhood of Mutants, the Acolytes, you know what I mean? Then the list goes on and on. So that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. So, so far, I've uploaded X-Men. You're, so you're cre- when you're creating uh, these figures, you're, you're creating characters that exist in the Marvel Universe. Yes. You're not creating, like... Uh, Original characters. S- Super SP or something. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I do... I did custom figures for Unsung Heroes, but I'm going to... Funny enough, since, you know, my I've... Acqui- we'll say I've acquired some additional skills since <laughs> then, when I first wrote for Unsung Heroes... I can revisit those figures and probably make new figures that will probably look better. <laughs> um, because those figures, when I did them, I was probably I wasn't that long into custom uh, doing custom figures. So you know, we'll just say they don't look as good as some of the ones I've done currently. You know, we'll just put it like that. Um, but yeah, so far on my Instagram, I've uploaded the New Mutants, Exiles. X-Men Gold Team, uh, X-Factor, X-Force. I'm currently doing the Acolytes, meaning I'm uploading them. The, 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 the figures themselves are already done. But you get the idea. I don't need to, I guess, list all of them. Anyone who would go to my Instagram would, I guess, probably see that. And what's the, what's the Instagram? Um, it's uh, Mr. So M-R and then Devin, D-E-V-I-N, and Peacock, like the bird. P-E-A-C-O-C-K. So, Mr. Devin Peacock. Um, so, so, get, so, get, so, the Unsung Heroes, are yeah. they mutants? Or are they, do they get by radioactive yes. basketball players? All of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in the pilot, it'll explain where the Unsung Heroes, you know, come from. But, just for the public to understand, the people in uh, this world receive their powers because of like a meteor that crash lands in their town. Uh, the town is fal- called Falcon City and um, Falcon City <laughs> it's a we'll say it's a kind of lighthearted, you know, generic town until this happens and this happened approximately like 35 years ago. So there are some people who were adults at the time, got their powers, and then they became like, you know, they became the heroes of this world. You know, not even just this city, but this world, like they're world famous, you know. So they started kind of like their own Justice League, if you will. And um, Captain Armstrong, I guess. This is the elite crew, right? Yes, the elite crew, exactly. Uh, And Captain Armstrong 
who is now one of the unsung heroes back in the day, he was a member of that elite crew. Um, but like I said, this was 35 years ago. So now he's older and he may not be able to leap that skyscraper in a single bound. Maybe he'll get to like the third floor <laughs> and crash through. Or, you know, when the media, another meteor is like about to crash land into Falcon City, instead of like smashing it into a million pieces with one punch, maybe he hits it and he just knocks it into a school instead, you know what I mean? So, that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on. So, there are those people who immediately received their powers and then they kind of became like, you know, the standard like super villain, superhero, you know, of the time. Um, back in the day, it was very kind of polarizing, meaning like, um, you were either, like anyone who read comics, I guess, at that point, you know, knows that, you know, there was, no, there wasn't a lot of gray area when it came to like superpower people, like you were either a superhero or a supervillain. But nowadays we have like anti-heroes, we have, you know, people who are considered villains, but they have a finger quotes, heart of gold or whatever. You know, uh, I guess examples of that would be the difference between, let's say, Spider-Man, who is clearly a superhero, but then you have, like, the Punisher, who's kind of a hero, but, like, a dark version of it. Yeah, like, I, mean, I mean, I think that's the product, like, the 90s, basically. Exactly. The 90s really ushered in, like, the, this one, Wolverine, like, a exactly. really popular, uh, but, uh, yeah, everything became dark. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, Frank Miller's... The, the gray like, area of it, yeah. you know? But the beauty of that is that um, this is also now the age where just because you get powers doesn't mean that you have to be anywhere on the spectrum. But these guys, they're, they're putting, uh, the Unsung Heroes I mean, they're putting that, that honest foot forward. <laughs> they're just not quite there yet. So um, the other four heroes, um, Heather Royale, uh, Revenant Lad, uh, Phoenix Black, and Annie Gloom, they're kind of somewhere on that spectrum. You know what I mean? Um, just to, I guess, explain, like I already explained a little bit about uh, Captain Armstrong, but yeah, Phoenix Black, uh, the character that I portray, he is an avid... Na naturally, in all comic books, the, exactly. you have to have the word black in the title. Well, <laughs> see, at, at first people were like, why is your name Phoenix Black? And I was like, I was going to call him a couple other things. I was like, I had like a list of, you know, you know, adjectives, you know, and I don't know, for whatever reason, Phoenix, I've always loved the idea of the, the mythological creature, the Phoenix, and the Phoenix was the mascot from a high school, you know, there's the Phoenix and the X-Men, you know what I mean? So... It was. It just stuck with me. It just stayed with me. What? You know? What? What does? What is Phoenix Black? What is, is his superpowers? Okay, so Phoenix Black, he is personality-wise, as for in relation to his like superheroics, you can kind of consider him like a wannabe, like in a sense of he wants to be like that famous superhero. He wants like you know, all the attention and, you know, to do movies and commercials and all other stuff. But he just, he's just not there. He's just, he's not Spider-Man. He's not Superman. He is nowhere. He's not even on the same level as them, but he's trying hard 
And little by little, he's kind of getting there, but he's just failing along the way. But he's learning. He's failing, but he's learning. You know what I mean? Um, but his powers, he... <laughs> you know, remember the game, like, Musical Chairs, right? Yeah. Well, think of that, but with superpowers instead. Like, when the music is playing, he has superpowers. But the second the music stops, he's just basically, you know, SOL. <laughs> any song? Any music? Any kind of, any form of music, he will, uh, he will gain superpowers. His okay. superpowers. His abilities include, like, agility, you know, fighting, prowess. He, he magically just becomes, like, a martial artist when he, when he's hearing music. And he's also able to concentrate this energy into, like, one, like, kind of finisher kind of attack. It's called the Phoenix Punch, which, you know, um, for everyone, like, listening, if you look at the episode that I uploaded uh, yesterday, funny enough, um, which is the first episode, um, it is, you'll see him use the Phoenix Punch in that. Um, so it's basically... Like, um, a, like a Mortal Kombat kind of... Yeah, it's like, you, you remember Mortal Kombat, finish him! Right. Yeah. And then you do that one, you know, special move, and now that person's, like, completely done, like, you've destroyed them or whatever. Well, with the Phoenix Punch, it's basically, like concentrated energy that he, you know, when the punch lands on whoever the target is, it's basically KO, you know? So it's like a super punch, basically, you know? Um, so yeah, that's what his uh, power is. And it just sucks when that music stops because he is just, he turns right back into being, you know, this geeky dude and with no defenses at this point. <laughs> so he lands in trouble. But you'll you, people will see that in like the, the next episode, you know. So are you uh are you directing them as well? Um I directed this I directed the first episode, but the next five episodes are directed by the love, uh, lovely Susan Codero. So yeah, she did a great job with those. So um She's the one who do it. She directed all of those. So, yeah. Um, but, I guess, to explain a little bit about the other heroes, um, uh, quickly, Revenant Lad, the guy who's wearing, like, the green mask, um, he's the youngest character, and he's also, like, the smallest, and, like, the most unassuming. He's definitely in that kind of, like, geek world, too. Like, he is like a gadget expert. Um, he's in America from India, um, and his uh, he has a power of teleportation. But the, the problem is that he has like severe ADD. So can you imagine being in a situation where here's a superhero? He pops in. He's going to save the day. You're let's say I don't know being you're about to be attacked by a villain. He jumps in, he's like, stop right there, I can save you. And then you're like, oh my god, thank god, thank god you're here, you're so happy. And he's like, wait a second. You know, and he's like, let me tie my shoe. You know, and then the woman just gets, <laughs> you know what I mean, gets mauled and mugged or whatever the case may be. He, he had, like I said, he has severe ADD, so it's hard for him to concentrate and stay focused on whatever the task is at hand and that 
is tough with someone who also can teleport at any moment because once he teleports, you can't be like, hey, come back here. What are you talking about? You got to finish this. There's no talking with him anymore. He's gone. He's physically gone. He's no longer able to help you, you know? So that's Revenant Lad. Um, Heather Royale is a drag queen, and she is, on top of being an unpolished superhero, she's also an unpolished drag queen. Meaning, like, still got the pit hair, you know, <laughs> hairy legs, you know, very funny, but just still kind of manly in appearance, you know, still working on the drag thing. Um, but the problem with Heather is she has super speed, which is great, you know, which is a standard superhero power, you know, great, you know, that's an awesome asset for, you know, a superhero, but she's a klepto. So how the hell can you trust someone who can zoom into your apartment at super speed while you're going to the bathroom and rob you blind, but then come in and be like, oh my God. Oh my god, what happened? I'm gonna find who's responsible for doing this to you. You know what I mean? Um, it's just a... It's a... Unhealthy thing that she has. She just... She can't help herself from stealing sometimes. Like, she kind of feels bad, but she does it anyway. You know? Um, so, there's Heather. And then Annie is the last one. Now, Annie Gloom, her character... She's a bit gothic. And she's a little, for the most part, she's kind of blasé about interacting with other people. So, being in a situation where she's like in a group setting with a bunch of people who may not have her respect, she's super sarcastic, everything is an eye roll, you know. And the only person that she really, truly likes in this world is Pepper. And Pepper is actually her doll. But what people don't know is that <laughs> for the outsider, out outsiders looking in, they just see Annie Gloom talking to this doll. And they're like, this bitch is crazy. But the doll is actually possessed by her best friend, you know, named Pepper, who also has abilities, but that's something to be developed later on. Um, but Pepper is her one and only friend, so she talks to the doll all the time. The doll, in her mind, talks back. And they have like a back and forth while people are just kind of like stand, standing there in the background, kind of like giving her the side eye, like, why is she, you know, getting into like a fierce argument with this damn doll? But as far as her powers are concerned, she is empathic. But because she's so kind of gothic and bitchy and sarcastic, a lot of times she uses her empathic powers to negatively affect other people. And what I mean by that is she uses her powers to make them, like, miserable, <laughs> sad, cry. Just, she basically devastates them, you know, with her abilities. Um, so her episode is, like, the... Um, you'll see when her episode, like, debuts, like, what I'm talking about. But she's... She, in this instance, you're kind of not sure if she's, like, like I said, you know an anti-hero or if she's a villain really with a heart of gold you know what I mean she's you don't really know where she is and that's kind of like the beauty of her character she kind of makes up her own rules you know
And then, so that's everybody, right? You said yeah, Mr. Five. Armstrong. Oh, Captain Armstrong. Uh, I, I, I know I didn't explain what his powers are. Think of basically this world's version of an old Superman. You know? So he has the flight. He has super strength. And, you know, a variety of other abilities. But, but he's human. I mean, they're all human. Um, yeah, yeah. Human in regards like, yes, he's born on Earth and everything like that. He got his powers from this meteor, this okay. meteor crash, you know? Um, so, he, um, he has, like, Superman-esque type of abilities. It's just that now that he's kind of older in age, his powers get on. on. Yeah, like, his back gives out when he's holding up that building that's about to crumble. You know what I mean? So, uh... Were these, did you cast these actors? Did you already know them? Were they collaborators? Did they inform you how you constructed the, the characters, or did you already construct them and cast them? Um, okay, well, for, th there's like stories for each character, funny enough. Um, I knew that for, when I was thinking of Unsung Heroes, I knew that I wanted to make the cast, you know, diverse because you know you guys don't know me but you know I'm I'm black so I kind of feel like it's important to kind of give you know diversity in any type of like program that you're going to do and on top of that you know to be honest to keep it real like a lot of these like superhero teams they're like Vastly white. <laughs> one black guy. Yeah, they have like one black guy, and there goes your and diversity. His character is something black. Exactly, exactly. You know, black what are you trying to say? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I don't like that. I wanted to write characters that kind of like gave other people a little bit more of like a, a shot. Like, I know that. Um, I have my own moments, like as a you know a black actor in the city. I have my moments of being like, damn, you know, there's only like, you know, if I'm like submitting on like Actors Access, I submit like maybe for two or three things, you know, for the day. That's it. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm a little like, oh, that's kind of sucks, you know, um, because you know they're like those are the roles that ask for you know, you know, a black actor, you know. Um, so for this project, I wanted to kind of include, you know, I wanted to be a little bit more like minority driven, you know, and not necessarily black driven, but like minority driven in general. Um, obviously my character is black, but you know, Revenant Lad is Indian. Um, Heather Royale is Spanish. Um, Puerto Rican. Yes, Puerto Rican. Um, and then there are other characters that, you know, people are going to see along the way, like, um, with the episode yesterday that debuted, um, uh, Mountain Shadow, who's one of the villains, he's, he's black as well, you know, I just wanted to kind of infuse as much diversity as I could into this project, you know, because that's always been something that's been really important to me, you know, and I, it's really important to see that on TV, like, I feel more empowered when I personally see, you know, Characters that you know look like me or that I can relate to, you know, not saying that I couldn't relate to, you know, characters who are considered the majority. It's just it's refreshing to feel like you are included in something, you know, or you have the, right. the chance to be included in something, you know. Right. It's like 
But don't you feel like whenever you see like a, a minority, and for me, like, I, it doesn't necessarily have to be Asian for me. It could be anybody. Where yeah. like you see somebody like, oh wow, they, you know, they got an Arab person. All right. Yeah. Oh, but he's got a bomb on himself. Oh, yeah. Man. Exactly. I kind of feel like that too. I will admit, like, um, I, that was something I was kind of thinking about too when I was like thinking about like the character of Phoenix Black, like how I wanted to have the character in a way like you know is he gonna be you know a thug and stupid and you know all these other things and I wanted to go against that in the sense of I mean if you look hard enough you're gonna find things you know like you're saying that will probably look be looked at as like you know stereotypical if you're looking for it but ultimately speaking I feel like None of these characters are, you know, how can I put it? Like tokens, in right? A way. I think None of well, these that's different than that. like having something rooted in humanity versus you know uh, having like a like a, a Chinese delivery guy get shot up on Law and Order. Yeah, and it's just like that's one note. It's very like just easy. Get him in, get him out. Yeah, like, get him shot. He's got a heavy accent. Yeah. Just, meanwhile, he probably went to Yale Drama School. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I think that that echoes to science fiction, you know, and it echoes to comic books. You yeah. know, if you ever go to a, a comic convention or, or a comic book store, hugely diverse. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. not it's not like you know in the eighties and nineties when it was just like like plumpy guys with glasses. Yeah, you've got girls in there. You've mm-hmm. got pe- you've got people of all races. Yeah, um, I like I went to uh, Forbidden Planet the other day. It was like. Two gay guys like arguing about like Luke Cage, <laughs> and I thought that was like that's good word, but it's cool. Like that's yeah. and again, that's that's the whole point. We we read comics to to escape from reality, but also to be informed about our reality. Yeah, and um, to be able to pleasantly escape, but at the same time relate to like whatever the struggles are. So I'm going to ask you. So. I want you to name. Uh, it doesn't have to be. It can be an arbitrary number. It can be like your top, top two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Your top two favorite uh, comic-based movies, mm-hmm. or it could be a TV show, and the two worst. Two worst. Um. Well, best definitely the first Avengers movie. I like that. Like that gave me everything I needed to get. You know, I mean, obviously they could have had a little bit more diversity in that movie, but that's a whole other story. But for the most part, that movie gave me everything I wanted. You know, um, I thought it was, it was, uh, it was a geek gasm basically. You know, um, I thought all the actors did a, a wonderful job. Um, the action was just thrilling, and it was thrilling and split at the same time. Split in the sense of. You were impressed by each and every character yeah. and what they did. Like, yeah, you know, it was like as a, the kid in me it was like, wow, you know, you finally get to see like Cap and Iron Man change barbs. You're like, oh my god. Yeah. Even like, um, there was like a, a shot where uh, when they were like jumping on the Shatari like a uh, ship that was like uh, going through the city, and then I think it was like the Hulk jumped down, and then Thor jumped down, and 
everyone kept like kind of tag teaming, like you know, doing special moves together. I like, I loved it, loved it, loved it. You know what? I, I, I didn't even that. mind like when they did the uh, when they're all standing back to back and mm-hmm. they do like the the Michael Bay Jerry Bruckheimer three sixty around them. Yeah, like any other movie, you'd be like, oh man, that's, that's just so, so cliche. But like for me, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, it was like it was like. Like, I've arrived. I could, I could die right after watching this movie, and I've lived a full life now. <laughs> um, I mean, to keep, it, to keep it honest, I feel like a lot of the Marvel movies are, they've done that. Like, done that in a sense where they're just great. They're great. They have that formula. They know what they're doing. Um, uh, Civil War would probably be numbered two but yeah civil war god the act of the action gave me everything i needed um that was that was amazing too um worse i know this sounds weird to say but when i think of like oh you know this sucks i just don't i just don't let it sit well i don't mean the guineas i don't mean like 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 batman and robin that Whoa. That don't mean that. Hey, hey, hey. I like that movie. I'm kidding. <laughs> Watch your mouth. I watched that the other night, and I was just like, Mike, how is this not 1961? You know, the thing is, is that anything that you consider to... For me, there are movies that would be probably considered bad, but I love them. Sure. In, in I, yeah, badness, exactly. That's fine. Um, let me try to think of examples of that. I mean, like I said, I did like the, um, I did like the Batman and Robin movie, funny enough, uh, we're talking about that. Um, I mean, I, obviously I didn't love everything about it, but I did like the movie in general. Um, another comic book movie, uh, I'm trying to think, <laughs> I liked, um, I like, uh, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. I mean, I think that was... That's... No, you know what? When you talk about, like... Okay, I love the Silver Surfer. I've got Silver Surfer Magna in the refrigerator. I love Fantastic Four. Obviously, I've got the thing. Yeah. So, I waited so long for the Silver Surfer to be in a movie. And Mm -hmm. every so often, that's on, like... uh, like, That's on, like, FX. Mm -hmm. I'll go, like... I want to see the... I gotta go see it. And then, you know, Silver Surfer's there, and he wants to bang Sue Richards. I'm like, this is not right. Yeah. And like this is bullshit. And like yeah. uh, if you know, so every movie, so you've got those movies, mm-hmm. and then you they um, they remake. You know they had a reboot. Yeah. Um, uh, with uh, Michael B. Jordan as Human Torch. Oh yeah. Last, I think mm-hmm. it was last year. Mm-hmm. That was actually worse than those other two. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know what's and so, what's so strange? Aside from the quality of the movies, all these movies. Doctor Doom wants to bang the shit out of Sue, and that's uh, where did they come up with that? Because that's not in any of the comic books. He doesn't give a shit about her. I don't know if you remember, but I mean, when you think about it, in pretty much all of the iterations of the Fantastic Four outside of the comic books, that's always been the case. Like, think I know, about, but that's so st- that's yeah. so producers like, oh, obviously he wants to just fuck her. Well, I'm, but Doctor Doom is like asexual. I feel like. Um, the reason that they have that is because there's still like the kind of misogynistic idea that okay, this is like let's keep it real. Like in any you know project like this, there's only the one or two female characters, and they have to be like head to toe, like flawless. You know what I mean? 
So it's not like, you know, you have, you know, Frumpty Dumpty playing <laughs> Invisible Woman and she's the only female character. No, you're going to just, you're going to cast Jessica <laughs> Alba, which makes no effing sense whatsoever having her play that character. But, like, she's not even, <laughs> it makes no sense. I won't even go into specifics, but it makes no sense. But, of course, they're going to have it to where, like, there's this hot girl. You want these little fanboys to think she's yeah. hot too, so you're gonna have to make people in the movie attracted to her and chase after her, and you know try to get with you know, her. I don't you know? know. I think some of it is fanboy, but I think a lot of it actually too is just they want like they want people who will pay to go see Nicolas Cage and Ghost Rider. They want that. They were like you know people who are just like oh I see anything uh, oh you mean like stars and like people yeah. that, that they know yeah, yeah. yeah because I, if they I made agree. an honest if they made an honest Fantastic Four movie I, I think people would see it mm -hmm. well they actually did it's called The Incredibles I mean that's yeah the, ooh another burn <laughs> well you know the, the whole rights thing right so Fox owns the rights to Fantastic Four yes I know, I know. and Spider-Man yeah yeah and Marvel's just I guess they were just waiting for it to run out mm-hmm because they can't put them in the the like the Marvel universe. They can't put them in the movies. They have to wait for. Well, they, I don't know how they got around that with Spider Man. Well, um, I'm not 100 percent sure how they, how they got around to that either. But the fact that they did it, boy, this is the best Spider Man I've ever seen. Like ever seen. Better than Amazing Spider Man Two with Jamie Foxx getting his oh. powers with, by eels. Uh. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Well, to keep it positive, this dude, the guy who played Spider-Man in, in Civil War, casting 100%, 150% correct. He was amazing as, as Spider-Man. Yeah, they got a young kid. They didn't get, like, uh, he gave Andrew you, Garfield's, like, 32. Yeah. They gave you everything you wanted and needed in the Spider-Man. He was funny. None of the other Spider-Men were funny. Were Spider-Man's. <laughs> None of them were funny. None of them were really endearing like they had their, their their I guess parts to them that audiences may identified with but they just never gave you like the full package of what Spider-Man is it's like making a Deadpool movie and it just not being you know funny or you know random jokes about right. nothing it's like completely dark yeah like... it would it would you'd be as a as a fan of the franchise you'd be you'd be furious and I feel like this, you know, I forget the actor's name, but, you know, the guy who played Spider-Man in this one, Marvel got it 100% right. I want Marvel to take, take over, take back the rights to everything. You know, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, so they can definitely, you know, handle that because they, they get it right. They just get it right. You speaking, can't be I mean, yeah, speaking of X-Men, that continuity is so way off. Yeah, they you know they time traveled the first class mm -hmm. and then they days of future past. They even messed up the the time continuum even more. Yeah, it's just so confusing. And it's been it's not the X Men. It's just it's just Wolverine. It's yeah, this is he's it's just him. Yeah, they I mean, what pisses me off about that franchise is they have so much opportunity to do so much stuff, so mm -hmm. much like fun stuff and cool stuff. And if they just regurgitate the same shit over and over again. When it comes to uh, the franchise, like you said, there's, they... I think the main issue is they're not using... Like, take a note from Marvel in the sense of, like... Have it, one, make sense. Two, 
on top of having it make sense, make it like enjoyable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, granted, the X Men as a as a franchise is meant to be dark to a degree, but it's still relatable. You know, it still should be. You should be able should be able to watch it and be like, I identify with these characters. I've gone through something similar to this. Like that's what like my what drew me to the X Men as a franchise in general back when I was a little kid was seeing the animated series on Fox. Oh yeah, yeah. And you just felt I mean, as an adult I understand what they did, like as the writers I, I understand what the writers did, but as a little kid you know, I was just like, oh my god, I love it, I love it, can't get enough of it. Mainly because of the fact that you just felt like you you identified with them. Like, even if there's not, like, let's say one particular character that you're like, okay, that's me, that's Devin right there. You're going to say to yourself, like, oh my god, you know, everyone feels like they, at some point in life, feel like they don't belong. And the X-Men, in a way is a group of outcasts, you know what I mean? Everyone fears and hates them. They're a group of outcasts. And being a little kid, like I said, before I went to college, I was I was very different from how I am now. I was a lot more, like, reserved. I, you know, grew up in not the best situation, you know what I mean? And... Then you got bit by a radioactive spider. Exactly. <laughs> it was a radioactive mutant Asgardian. <laughs> <laughs> That gave me a hammer alongside, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I felt like... Now, watching the X-Men movies, would you prefer Hugh Jackman to actually wear that costume? To wear the costume, yes and no. Yes in the sense of having a costume, but no in the sense of having the traditional blue and yellow. Like, if they do something to the extent of, let's say, what they do on like, like the Flash or Arrow or something like that, give it... The basics of the costume, but just fudge with it a little bit. I think that would be a good, um, a good marriage between the two. Or you, can, I mean, Wolverine has had plenty of costumes over the years. Like at one point in the early two thousands in the comic books, the X Men were literally just wearing like big leather coat, big leather jackets <laughs> with you know. They look like a biker with, gang. Yeah, they look like a biker gang, but at the same time, it looked. It looked freaking cool, so I wouldn't be opposed to that. Like maybe yeah, mute, that's the, mute uh, the yellow a little bit. I think bit. it was like Grant Morrison. Morrison, yeah. yeah. When Morrison took it over, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just had like yeah, flight jackets and the, the X. Yeah, I mean, them looked a little risque walking down <laughs> the street, but the rest of them looked like they could, you know, it would make sense, you know. So what did you have a favorite X Men? I've always been someone who I don't know why, but I've always had an affinity for characters who have wings. I've always maybe it's, you know maybe it's don't say Angel. Yeah, Angel. Was, really? Archangel was my. Well, favorite. Archangel was yeah. Archangel was good. Yeah. But like pre pre apocalypse where he was just the rich dude. I just well you you gotta. I think realize, they really realize that like wow this guy really we either kill him or change him. Well, the thing is, is like the character was created in like the sixties where superheroes were vastly different than what they are now. Like nowadays. What they what you expect from a superhero is like what you mean flying is your only power. You better be super strong, have like healing factor, healing factor, <laughs> be able to punch your way through a planet. You know what I mean? Like, but back in the '60s, for the most part, you know, 
everyone had like that one ability. Like even the Hulk, let's keep it real. Like back in his, you know, back at that point, you knew the Hulk to be like super strong, you know. But now, like if you were to go on like, you know, marvel.wikia.com and, you know, look at Hulk's abilities, he has like a litany of, of abilities. Yeah, it depends like, on who's writing them. Because yeah. he, there was one where he, I think it was Peter David who was writing him. He punched him, he punched Absorbing Man or something, and he like, like sent him to the moon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, the angel as a character being birthed <laughs> at that point, of course he's only going to have like the wings. That's it. That's all he's going to get because that's just a reflection of the times versus like now as him being Archangel, you know, he has rapid healing. He has... You know, adamantium wings. Yeah, like his wings are like the metal, and which makes no sense. Like, how is he flying with you know these gigantic <laughs> metal? You know, probably you know super heavy wings. It's not like he has like jet propulsion or something like that. But we'll get that's like a story for another day. But you know, these wings they like they flap and they release like you know basically like poison tips, yeah, like blades. blades. You know, and on top of that, I, I know that the character's meant to be, like, above human strength. You know what I mean? Like, he has, like, all of these abilities now. You know what I mean? It's just right. a reflection of the times now, you know? Um, so, yeah, Angel was my favorite. Um, well, probably still is my favorite. But you, you even liked him, like, when you had the, the Halo suit? Like the... Oh, when, when he... When he was I, like, you know, he had it was like red and white, and he had oh, weird, like he, even back then, like the, before the he had his uh, before he was Archangel, right. he was just Angel. Honestly, I didn't know of the character until I saw him on the X Men cartoon because I was too young. I wouldn't say I was too young to read comic books. It's just that I didn't have the opportunity to get to a comic book store at that point. Um, um, so when I started reading comic books, I started seeing the fact that you know what he looked like beforehand and. I was still kind of like, oh, he's still cool. You know, he's still a character with wings. Like, what do you want from me? That's just that's just who I am. My last name is Peacock, okay? <laughs> of course, I'm going to like anything who else has wings. like there's bird or wing related. Well, I guess Hawkman, right? Hawkman, there's Hawk Girl, there is um, Carboil. Falcon. Oh, yeah, um, Falcon. Yeah, so of course, Falcon is like probably my favorite Avenger, too. Um,. But yeah, that's just that's just what it is, you know. None of these characters are the most powerful characters you're going to come across. None of them are. Yeah, but my, my favorite was was Nightcrawler, and so my friends would be like, "Oh, he's such a pussy. Oh, he can't do shit. Wolverine kick his ass." Yeah. Well, I don't read it to. This is I, I don't read to say like that. That is irrelevant to me. I don't yeah. care. But it's so funny because you know, as as nerds, we all of us we have that lowest common denominator. Of, well, Colossus, he can't, he can't beat the Juggernaut. Like, yeah. What, so? <laughs> like, you don't look at... Okay, so I feel like there's, the, there's like the difference between, let's say, the X-Men and, like, Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z, these characters... Today, I'm the strongest person on the planet. Tomorrow, you're the strongest person on right. the planet. The next day, I'm the strongest person in the universe. Right, there's no weaknesses. It's just that another character comes by and just can kick his ass. Yeah. So he has to go train and yeah. kick his ass. And for me, to me, that's boring. I prefer the characters who have, like, flaws 
and not not flaws as in like they're de- debilitating well, on some hero's plug <laughs> <laughs> but you know I like my characters to have character you know what I mean um I've always been someone who's been really into like ensembles as far as like my comic books and TV shows and cartoons and all that stuff is concerned I like to have like you know lack of a better word once again diversity meaning like if you're super strong maybe I should be able to fly and if I'm flying maybe you should be the one who reads minds and if you're reading minds maybe you should be the one who is super fast you know what I mean yeah. like that makes things more interesting to me does, you does know? Unsung Heroes have a, a, a strong guy well, uh, Captain Armstrong, he's the strong, he's the... Oh, he's the... Yeah. He's, like I said, he's our version of, like, old Superman. <laughs> you know? And you guys will see, but the actor who plays uh, uh, Captain Armstrong, Nick Serlis, is brilliant. He's brilliant. He gets it front to back, 100%. Um, yeah, you guys are going to love, like, what you see when you, when you see uh, his... Uh, Episode, but you'll, you'll, everyone will love every episode, but you'll understand like what I'm talking about when you get to his episode. You know, each one of these, by the way, like speaking on that, each one of the actors who are portraying the characters, they get it, they get it, and they run with it. Like it's one thing for me to write a script. Like obviously, I'm a big comic book geek. I went to school with the intentions of writing comic books. Were they? Huh? Were the actors as well? Uh, comic book people. Like, yeah, or, or were they just performers? And I'm saying, do they share your background? Oh no, or, no, right. they're all um, they're all professional performers. <laughs> um, yeah, professional. Uh, I so, went to Juilliard. Yeah, yeah, put on these tights. Exactly, <laughs> put on these tights. Put on that you know party city mask and get your ass over there on set, you know, and fight that mugger, you know. Um, but Dude, uh, wait, we don't have a permit. I know, right? <laughs> Gorilla style. <laughs> um, but they didn't necessarily... I mean, they, they understand, like, the whole comic book motif, and they understand, like, you know, superhero versus supervillain. They, they get that, but they also get the fact that this is, in a way, poking fun at that. Right. You know, and they, they get it, and they commit to it, you know? And I really appreciate that, you know, as, you know the writer of this project because you know I I can only do but so much when it comes to like the writing is concerned as far as the writing is concerned you can only do but so much your script could be brilliant but if it's not executed a certain kind of way you know it may not land you know with the it may not portray the type of image that you would like um, but when you have like let's say good direction and good actors they may blow whatever you wrote down on the script like in the script they may blow that out the water and be like oh my god I didn't even think about that that's amazing thank you so much for gifting that to me by giving me your own interpretation to it you know I mean ultimately this is all very collaborative um, but at the same time like I don't have all the answers like um, even if I'm, let's say, directing or producing or writing or whatever, that's still only going to be one portion or two portions of the greater picture. Meaning, like, you're still going to need someone to do a brilliant performance. Like, if the script is garbage and there's a brilliant performance, you know, there you go. You know, it's, 
you still need a great performance for you know to make a great piece you know and you still need good writing and good direction and all those other things right. to, to have a great piece and I'm very thankful for the people that you know uh, have partnered up with me to to make this you know awesome man well you know like you know reading about the success of uh, the web series high maintenance you know mm -hmm. it started off as a, a, a web series on Vimeo and recently got picked up on HBO oh wow and then so now they're showing the vignettes you know, like eight minutes, five minutes, mm -hmm. and then they've expanded it to like an actual TV show now. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the TV show, I mean, I saw the vignettes. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's the crazy thing about technology now, that mm -hmm. it's all a level playing field now. Yeah. Which, you know, you're going to, I think as consumers, uh, you know, we have so much to choose from, and there's so much, you know, there's, there's good quality, but there's also, you know, probably garbage out there too. Mm -hmm. As filmmakers... You know, uh, we also have to be smart and not just create a good quality co uh, product. Mm -hmm. We also have to be savvy in marketing. Yeah. You know, wh which is great because you, you have of your background as a superhero. <laughs> um, so, Devin, uh, we've uh, almost ran out of time. Thank you so much for, for coming on and doing this. Mm -hmm. um, I just have a, a, uh, one final question for you. Um, if you were to go back, let's say, let's say 10 years from now, 10 years ago, in mm -hmm. time machine, what would you tell Devin? Um, let me see. I would tell Devin then <sighs> be prepared because <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of crazy stuff um happened, and you know you're you never really prepared for when like bad stuff happens in your life, like like really bad things. Um, you're just kind of saying to yourself, like, oh, you know, you're just appreciative, or hopefully you're appreciative of, you know, where your life is in the, in the moment. Um, I would say just be prepared to kind of fight for happiness. I know this sounds a little, like, weird to say, but I, what I mean by that is life is just difficult, it's difficult and it's hard and it's so it's so easy to kind of get in a rut with it. And I'm very, I know we said like a lot today about like you know performers and you know temp jobs and all this stuff. But I'll be the first to admit I'm very very happy with the life that I have now because you know a lot of people don't don't have the opportunity to do what they want to do, you know, on a day to day basis like. You know, they have kids and they, their primary, like, they, they, all they can think about is just like, you know, feeding their kids or putting food on the table or, you know, you know, dealing with like maybe an older parent or, or you know, or a death or something like that. Um, I had to deal with a death basically. Um, and it like rocked my world and it took me a long time to, um, kind of bounce back from that, but I feel very strong. Um, I feel a lot stronger now. I mean, obviously, the death still is with me. Um, but, like I said, um, that particular, you know, death, it was like a death of a parent, you know. I wasn't expecting it. Um, not that this wasn't 10 years ago, but this was basically what we were talking about before when I was a publicist and then I made the decision to be a performer. Like, I didn't 
I expected my life to, you know, I was going to do PR, and I was like, I'm going to, like, you know, bust my ass and become, like, the best publicist, you know. Uh, but then when this death happened, and then my life was just, like, turned upside down. Like, I was, like, saving up my money to move out, to, um, you know, move closer to the city. You know, literally everything in my life was, like, gone in the sense of, like, nothing was the same anymore. Like, I'm not working. I'm not doing PR anymore. Um, I have to now move because um, I was living. Um, I was raised by my grandmother, by the way. Um, so she passed suddenly. Like, there was nothing. She was young, too. Like, when she passed, she was 62. You know, healthy, yelled at me the night before about something, you know. Um, then when she passed, it was just like, at first I was like, okay, all right, you know, I'm an adult, I got this, I can do this on my own. I kind of told myself that, but just lived, little by little, my life just pretty much fell apart. And I, it took me a long time to get to where I am now and where I am now is I'm like I said I'm able to do whatever I want to do with my life I'm able to like hey today I feel like you know I feel like coming on a podcast and you know tomorrow I feel like doing something with a friend and then you know I could be filming something on on Thursday or go on audition or you know go to a class and that's okay and I know a lot of people aren't in that space you know their lives as much as they would like it to be their lives aren't their own and i'm very appreciative that i do have that luxury that to have my life to myself and do whatever i want to do you know you also made the choice to do that you yeah. made the choice to open up these doors for yourself and create these opportunities yeah, well, and make these decisions it took a while <laughs> it took a long time you know it's all relative yeah i, mean, I think that's I think for myself and people listening, I think we all, you know, to certain degrees, we all have to wake up, you know, and mm -hmm. it's never too late. And some people, I think we all know people who don't want to wake up and want to keep our rigid. And I think as you get older, I know for me, as I get older, I just, I don't want to deal with those people anymore mm -hmm. because they, it just, it just, uh, it, it's such a power drain for me mm -hmm. like having to sh having to pivot and, and and just deal with that energy yeah. of negativity yeah i'd rather just i mean like, like you said life life is designed to not be easy yeah you have to work every day to be happy yeah and it's an everyday process you can't unlearn things we all have bad habits we just have to keep doing things to make ourselves happy but not just happy but also fulfilled Mm -hmm. And that may change, and you have to be open to to that change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I one of the what pe people who may listen to this may not know if you're like not a performer is that your life changes all the time, <laughs> and I think that we forget that we are as flexible as we are in the sense of for us we. We made our peace with a long time ago, saying to ourselves, like, okay, tomorrow I may get this, like, wonderful opportunity, and then I'm just gone, and I'm focusing on that one opportunity for a little bit. I come back, and 
Now other opportunities may come our way, but other people, you know, they got that one job, they may get a promotion, they may get, you know, uh, a raise or, you know, be moved to a different branch, but it's for the most part, it's still linear in that way, you know, but for us, you know, today, you know, you can say to yourself, primarily you're an actor. Tomorrow you can be like, you know, primarily I am a graphic designer. And then you make that your your primary focus for a little bit and then act a little bit along the way, you know. Um, but you, we are afforded that luxury. Like, um, you know, to, to this weekend, you know, this upcoming weekend, I could host something. And, of course, in the moment, I'm focused on hosting. But then I can film something like the next day. Um, and that's okay. Um, and I am appreciative of having that flexibility because like not everybody has that you know um we are in a industry where we are not given the privilege of being bored you know being bored is like <laughs> you're doing something wrong if you're bored because there's always something to do that means you're that, not doing it exactly um so you we are, we're given the ability to be flexible and I appreciate that because I'm I'm almost never bored in that sense. Like one day I'm acting, the next day I'm dancing, the next day I'm singing, the next day I'm hosting, you know? And that's a typical week for me, you know? And I'm like I said I'm I know I keep saying this, but I'm very appreciative of the life that I have. That's done, awesome. I mean, know? I think that's the key. Um Devin, do you want to give those uh the the um those those links? Yes. So Anyone who wants to like reach out to me, um, or actually, if you want to check out Unsung Heroes, first off, <laughs> you can go to uh, facebook.com slash D as in Devin Peacock, like the bird, and then films. So D Peacock Films, or you can go to D Peacock Films on uh, YouTube. So it's YouTube slash user slash D Peacock Films, I believe. And then for all those IG people, I am at, uh, like I said before, Mr. Devin Peacock. So Mr. Devin Peacock. So. And I'll put all those handles in the uh, in the beginning of the intro and on the uh, the fan page of uh, of the podcast website. Um, Devin, thanks so much for doing this, man. This is awesome. Well, you're welcome. I'm kidding. Thank you too. <laughs> Come down from your pedestal. All right. All right. Uh, again, everybody, thank you for listening. As I always say, you're a part of the conversation. You're just on the quiet side. Bodhisattva. You want to do good for Thanks. Your mama pajama rolled out of bed and she ran to the police station. When the papa found out, he began to shout and he started the investigation. It's against the law. It was against the law. Or what the mama saw. It was against the law. Who the mama looked down and spit on the ground every time my name gets mentioned. The papa said, oh, if I get that boy, I'm gonna stick him in the house of detention. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going, I'm on my way I'm taking my time, but I don't know where Goodbye to Rose and the Queen of Corona See me and Julio down by the schoolyard I 